This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. I am incredibly excited. I've got Eric Pollock from Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Eric is the director of tags at WTA Tags. And we talk all things preference points. We talk all things uh, applying for different hunts and out of state, applying for different opportunities to hunt different types of species and how to go about doing so. Guys, as a new hunter or an advanced hunter alike, this whole process can become overwhelming. When you decide that you want to hunt somewhere else or you want to hunt something else and you start looking at all the opportunities you can get drowned by information on uh, preference points and limited tag entries and over-the-counter. And sometimes it can be hard to decide what to do, how to do it, why to do it, and when to do it. Uh, so me and Eric talk about all of these different options and what we as sportsmen should be doing uh, to invest in our future as hunters, to invest in future opportunities to be able to hunt more game in different places. Um Guys, you need to, uh, and, and this episode is going to be really informative on how to, but also why to, uh, be devoted to tags and how you should be putting in for different tags in different places, whether you're a new hunter or an old hunter, because all you're doing by doing so is investing in your future as a hunter and investing in new and bigger and better opportunities down the road to be able to hunt different things, different places. Guys, it's a very informative episode. I would highly, highly encourage you to stay right here, tuned in as me and Eric dive in. Guys, I don't need to tell you about the blazer vein. You're probably familiar with the blazer vein, and you're probably familiar with boning. Boning has been around forever. It's a name you can trust. They sell products you can trust. They have everything that you need to build your own arrows. All of the jigs to, to fletch your own arrows, all of the veins, all of the wraps, countless, numerous types of veins and wraps to build any kind of configuration you want. They also have some really cool Fredbear branded products with their Fredbear camo wraps and their Fredbear flannel wraps. Something that's really cool about that Fredbear flannel, that's actually a photo that was taken of one of Fredbear's flannel uh, famous shirts, you know, the red and gray and black that he always wore. That's actually a photo taken of his personal shirt and put on a wrap. It looks really cool, especially on some traditional arrows. But my very favorite configuration, and this is coming from an arrow junkie that's tried out all different kind of veins and all different kind of configurations. I have found that this configuration stabilizes pretty much every arrow. It's whisper quiet. They fly fantastic. The three-inch Bronco vein in a four-fletch absolutely flies like a dart, whether you're shooting mechanicals or big fixed this is going to be a fletching configuration that will work again whisper quiet long range accuracy i love this configuration this is on every single one of my compound arrows they just work guys i would highly encourage you to check out boning not just for the blazer vein but for the heat vein for the broncos for the x veins everything um 
that you need to build your own arrows is right there on Boning's website. They've been around for ages, and I promise you if you order from them, you're going to get products that you can trust. All right, Eric, so I wanted to kind of unpack this whole system uh, for a for a new hunter, and even for advanced hunters. I mean, even for somebody who's hunted their entire life, but they've never really looked into you know, different opportunities and hunting out of state and, and taking advantage of, of, um, you know, out of state tags. When you start trying to tackle that, it can be, it can be a little overwhelming if you will. Um, and so, you know, I've recently started bringing people out of state here to Kansas, which Kansas is for non-residents. It's a draw state. And so I've kind of, I've kind of learned through that process. Like some people don't even know what it means to put in for a tag and then not get it. Um, and so I kind of wanted to uh, just dive into what that looks like as far as over the counter versus draw states versus preference points, all of these things that go into hunting out of state and, and kind of how to go about taking advantage of hunting in more states. Um, so if somebody's looking for, you know, a new adventure, say they want to start elk hunting and they, they, they've done, They've, they've looked at Colorado and they see, well, that's over the counter. Um, and then they look at um, New Mexico or Utah and they see these different uh, units and their draw units only. Um, what should that hunter look for and how do they understand these different opportunities? Sure. Well, I can, I can try to help them. I can try to help these guys understand, right? This is, <clears throat> this is what I do. Um, for the last 20 years, I've run a limited entry application service. It started with Cabela's and then now we're with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, right? So, you know, you said something there, Dylan, that really I think is a good starting point. You live in the state of Kansas, right? And um, to your point, non-residents cannot hunt in the state of Kansas for white-tailed deer without going through their draw system, right? Right. So, what does that mean? That means that by April, by late April, I think this year the deadline is, let's just say it's April 27th, a non-resident that wants to go hunting in Kansas has to apply for a limited entry tag. And even though Kansas is easy to draw, it's not 100%, right? I think your tags are just give or take an 80% draw the first time you apply, okay? So that means 20% of the people are not going to draw that tag, right? Now, in Kansas, they do offer a preference point. So if you don't draw in 2023, you'll get, you'll get a, you'll receive a preference point and you will draw in 2024, okay? Because a preference point system means that if you have one preference point and I have zero preference points, you're always going to draw before I will, okay? Or if a guy has two preference points, the person with one will not draw ahead of a guy with two. It's, it's a straight point system. But, you know... Back to Kansas, that is a limited entry draw-only state for non-residents, okay? Another state that's like that is Wyoming. You really cannot hunt in the state of You mentioned elk. You really cannot hunt in the state of Wyoming as a non-resident without going through their draw system, and it's much more difficult than Kansas, right? Right. Um, even their general tag is not an easy tag to draw anymore. So points and building points is the name of the game. Bonus points, preference points, whatever. If the state offers a point system, that's going to help you in the long run draw these tags, okay? So Iowa, right, much like Kansas, you're not hunting in Iowa as a non-resident typically without going through their draw system, right? So for a bow tag in Iowa to hunt whitetails in the great state of Iowa, right, in the, in the November uh, archery rut, it typically takes four preference points to draw that tag. So you apply year one, you're not going to, well, you, you build a point year one because there's no chance of drawing. You build a point year two, there's no chance of drawing. You build a point year three because there's really no chance of drawing in most of those units. You build a point year four, now you have four preference points. So in five years, you can hunt in the state of Iowa with a bow as a non, which is incredible, right? I mean, it's like, wow, it's a whitetail. It's not a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, right? Like, I can't believe it's so restrictive, but that's the way it is. And if you want to hunt in, in arguably the best state in the Midwest to harvest a, a giant whitetail, you better be building your preference points in Iowa, right? Yeah. Um, in other state, right? Arizona, they, you cannot hunt as a non-resident in, in that state. Nevada, you really can't hunt as a non-resident in that state 
without going through the draw. So now we've covered the states that it's that's uh, limited entry draw only, but now there's states like Colorado you mentioned, right? You can go over the counter in Colorado, right? I don't recommend it, but you can do it. Uh, or you can go limited entry where you can build points and get into some better units, right? Or you can um, buy <clears throat> landowner transferable vouchers. Um, you can book with an outfitter that has ranching for wildlife tags. So Colorado is kind of a hybrid of, of over-the-counter landowner tags, limited entry, right? So it all gets pretty confusing, and that's what me and my guys are here for, is to help you navigate through that, right? And it, it definitely can be confusing. I mean, when you like if, if somebody decides, man, I really want to hunt elk. I mean, that's a really good example. I really want to learn how to hunt elk. I want to go on my first elk hunt. You start Googling, you know, where should I go on an elk hunt? And, man, you're hit with all of this, like, over-the-counter versus preference points versus, you know, it's going to take you 20 years to draw this tag. And you're like, wait a second, I wanted to try to do this next year. Um, and so it can become a lot to unpack. And, you know, I have the, the I don't know if you want to call it uh, blessing or curse, uh, to work for Pope and Young as well. And, you know, you hear some of those guys and they're like, it's almost like a, a literally a bank. Like they have a, a whole banking system for their tags. And they're like, well, you know, I've got 21 points and, you know, X, and then I've got 12 points in X, and I'm trying to save up for 27 points to hunt in this unit. And you're like, how do you keep up with it? Like, how do you even, you know, yeah. and, and then there's states, yeah. <clears throat> then there's states like Oregon where even residents can't just go and hunt. They have to apply yeah. for points and they have to try yeah. and draw. And, and so you hear these guys and like, well, it must be nice to hunt in your backyard every year. No questions asked. And I'm like, what do you mean? And like, well, dude, I haven't been able to hunt elk in my home state for four years now. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's rough. Um, but it can become yeah. a lot to unpack when you start trying to, to understand all this and um, yeah. you know, start trying to wrap your mind around how all of this works. Now, I want to ask you a question about Kansas specifically, um, and sure. it's only because I'm I'm more um, familiar with that than anything else. You said eighty percent. Now I have been told, um, and I can't say this for a fact. Maybe you can. I have been told uh, since COVID, it's actually went to about fifty percent, um, just because so many more people are applying. Um, so are those percentages? When you throw out a percentage. Are those percentages like, you know, we have, we'll say 10 tags and we know that 120 people are going to uh, apply. So that's, you know, X amount of, of percentage of success rate, or is it however many people apply, that's the percentage we'll take. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so to your first question, COVID did absolutely, um, inspire people to apply for tags. Most of the Western states, including Kansas, did see a pretty significant increase in applicants, okay? That makes the draw tougher, right? Because to your point, there's only so many tags, right? When the number of applicants right. goes up, the drawing odds get tougher. 50%, I don't believe is accurate in Kansas. Um, I think it probably went from 90 to 80. You know, this is cow, you know rough numbers off the top of my head. Uh, unit one is probably the most difficult unit in the state to draw uh, in the state of Kansas. That'd be in the northwest corner of Kansas. That one's, I think, the most difficult to draw. And I think that one's somewhere around 67%. Again, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. So 50% definitely seems, um, definitely seems exaggerated to me. Uh, another thing, too, though, is that in Kansas... And in every state, you really have to understand how to apply for that tag, right? So you, you, can, you can apply for your unit plus an adjacent unit. And then on your second choice, you take that adjacent unit, a unit you don't even want, and you back it up with the unit that you do want. And you get to do that four different times. And if you can do that application the right way, I know it's confusing, and, and I'm, I'm probably confusing people. But if you just go in and apply for a Unit 5 archery tag, your odds are not going to be as good as if you use all four choices on their application. And there's a way to do that, and it's tricky, and um, not a lot of people understand it. 
But if you do that application the right way, I still think the odds of drawing almost any tag in the state of Kansas is probably roughly 80%. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that's good to know because, you know, I've heard a lot of, a lot of complaints. I've heard a lot of, you know, man, I used to get drawn every year. Now I can't get drawn for nothing. And, you know, I sure. used to every other year and now it's been five years, you know, whatever. And so, um, I was just curious. So yeah, if somebody is looking to go on a, on a, out of state hunt, uh, take any, like they don't have a specific species, you know, in mind, they just say, Hey, in 2023, I want to hunt out of state. I want to hunt somewhere new. I want to try something different. Um, what do you, how do you begin to, you know, kind of direct that person into these are going to be your best options as far as chances, success rates, uh, cost value, you know, that's that, cause there's a lot that plays into that. I mean, if you just want to hunt out of state, dude, drive down to Texas and you can hunt anything. Um, but if you're looking for more of a, you know, do it yourself type experience, there's a lot of things that go into that. So how do you start to, to kind of direct that person's thought process to get them on the right hunt that will suit what they're looking to do? Sure. That's a great question. So it's a series of questions that when a client calls into our office, <clears throat> you know, we're going to ask them things like, do you want to hunt guided or unguided? I want to hunt guided. Great. Perfect. That's kind of what we specialize in. Are you a bow hunter, rifle hunter, muzzleloader hunter? I can, I can hunt with it all, you know? Perfect. Okay. You know, how's your physical, how's your physical condition? Okay. It's, it's great. I can get around. I'm not, you know, there's really no place you can put me that I can't handle. Perfect. Okay. Um, you know, what kind of lodging are, are you looking for? You know, I'd really like to stay someplace maybe a little bit nicer. Okay. So we kind of ask, we roll through these questions with them. Big question is budget, right? What's your budget? What's your trophy quality desire? Let's just stop right there. Yeah. So we're, let's take the species elk, right? <clears throat> the species elk. Guy calls in, <clears throat> says, you know, we roll through the questions and he tells me he wants to hunt 330 plus bulls, 330 to 350 bulls. And his budget is $6,000. Okay. There's no way to do that other than going through the draw. Okay. So through our booking agency, Outdoor Ventures here at WTA, you can just book a hunt. You don't have to mess with the draw, right? We ask you those questions. You answer them. We find something for you. However, if you, when we get to the, when we get to the question of budget and you know, it's out of whack. It's, I want to hunt these great big ones for five or $6,000, fully guided, nice lot. You know, it, it's just not out there. If it were out there, I would know about it. Or one of my team members would know about it. So your only chance then to do that is to draw a tag, right? So if you can draw an Arizona elk tag, you can go hunt for, you know, six or 7,000 and you can hunt great big ones. If you can draw a Nevada yeah. tag, if you can draw a tag on the Pavant in Utah, if you can draw it, you know, the New Mexico draw is coming up here quickly, March 22nd. That's probably a non-resident's best chance at drawing a tag because 16% of those tags go to non-residents and um, there's no point system in place. It's just an open draw, right? Which is great. You're not 20 years behind people. And if you draw, you're, I'm going to book you at a great place and you're going to hunt quality bulls, you know, 320 plus bulls for $6,500, right? So, once I, once I ascertain what the client, who I have on the phone, right, that's when I can make a recommendation, right? I have guys that are like, budget's not an issue. Just I want to go hunt great big ones, and I don't care and just make it happen. To wouldn't guys that, be that nice? most <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? To most guys, most people, right, aren't in that category, yeah. but they want to get out west, and they don't want to waste their time in an over-the-counter Colorado unit. And they at least want to try to draw something before going over the counter, right? Or before going in DIY or, or whatever. So, you know, then anyway, it's, it's, it's somewhere between, you know, the high end, medium end, and, and maybe the guy that is just a DIYer and just wants to get out there and, and, and see what he can put together. But, um, I guess, I guess to answer your question, it's, you know, when a guy calls me, it's just a series of questions, figuring out who I have on the phone and then rolling out rolling out with a recommendation on on what I think his best chance at success is. Does that make sense? Now, what you just said, 
and I have alluded to this in the past, and I've caught grief for this in the past, <laughs> so I'll tread lightly. Um, sure. To the guy who calls me and says, hey, I want to go on an elk hunt. Where do I start? I was looking at over-the-counter in Colorado, and I'm like, why? And uh, <laughs> they're like, well, I mean, because it's cheap, because it's easy, because, it, you know, whatever. Um, to that person, I say this. Cheap is is a relative term. I mean, you're still going to drop fifteen hundred, two grand on going on an elk hunt. Um, right. I mean, when you look at tags, even though it's over the counter, you walk in and buy them. Um, I mean, you still have travel, you still have food, you still have lodging, um, you still have all of this expense. You're still going to drop two thousand dollars on going on this elk hunt, where the success rates are very, very low. And you know, then you talk to guys and they're like, man, dude, I've been grinding it out over the counter in Colorado now for five years. And I'm like, okay, so you've got 10 grand into an elk hunt. Why not just take that money and invest it in a good outfit uh, or invest it in a good um, outfitter aside? What you do when you book an outfitter is now you have access to better ground with better tags with better opportunities, even if it's not guided. I mean, even if it's, you know, more of a, Hey, I'm going through this outfitter to do it myself type deal. You're still obtaining better tags than you can. If you just walk into Walmart, um, you're still gaining access to better pieces of ground. Um, you're still gaining the knowledge of that outfit by doing so. And so I tell people all the time, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough to bite that bullet for a $6,500 elk hunt, but you're going to go to Colorado for three to five years and maybe not ever see a bull. Like, and that's where it becomes rough. When you've, when you've invested all this money into this, you've worked your tail end off and you haven't even seen a bull. Yeah. So what I tell people when they're starting is like, Hey, find, and this goes for anything. I mean, if somebody says, Hey, I really want to start turkey hunting and I have no idea how to do so. I'm like, well, I would hire an outfitter. Um, or just a, a guy who knows a whole lot about turkey hunting uh, that has a whole lot of good turkey ground um, and have them take you out for the first season. Because the, the, the experience and the knowledge that you're going to learn in that area, then if you decide, hey, I want to take this over the counter and do it myself, at least you're a whole lot further along and a whole lot better off than you would have been just trying to jump into that from the get-go. Does that make sense? You know. It does make sense. And what I what I can't understand is <clears throat> I can understand going to an over-the-counter elk area in Colorado for the simple fact that it gets you out in the field, okay? But to your point, the hunting is difficult. Uh, if it weren't, it's just, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, go to Walmart, buy the tag over-the-counter, and go hike in there two miles and just be covered up in bulls and elk are ripping bugles in your face. And, you know, oh, my God, I had four encounters this morning. I mean, it's just you might get one encounter in a hunt. And I encourage that. Like, I, you know, it's, it's not something that I really encourage, but I understand that. Right. But what I don't right. understand is why you wouldn't at least try to draw a tag in a limited entry public land area before pursuing your over-the-counter situation, right? Yeah. Because what if, what if they, it's, it's not that expensive to apply. A lot of states you're going to build points. And what if, what if you get lucky? What if you pull a tag in the Gila down in New Mexico, right? You, you don't need an outfitter to go hunt in the Gila. You don't need an outfitter to go hunt, you know, down in, in, in the South, in, in the South Central part of the state. That's all public land. But the difference is, is it's limited entry public land, right? So, and it's still, it's still not a layup. Like you should still get an outfitter. When you draw a tag like that, in my professional opinion, you know, unless you have a lot of time, you should still hire an outfitter because you may not draw that tag again for a long, long time, right? But if you're an over-the-counter type guy and you don't want to use an outfitter, at least try to draw the tag first, right? Then if you don't draw, at the very least, in a lot of states, you'll get a bonus point or a preference point, and you can move on to an over-the-counter state. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. So when you apply, uh, say it's rough, what's it cost to apply in Kansas? 
So in the state of Kansas, you have to purchase a non-resident hunting license. And that's, I think, $97.50. And then there's a small state fee, and we charge $55 to do that application on your behalf. And um, the way the WTA tags pricing works is we charge per application. In some applications, we charge a lot more than other applications. When there's a float in place, when you have to send a state the tag fee up front at time of application, like in New Mexico, like in uh, Wyoming, like in Montana, we do charge more for those applications, uh, you know, and, uh, because again, you're borrowing our money to apply. So um, it's just kind of like a gridded out hunt menu that you kind of go through, we send you, you can look at our pricing and you can decide, you know, if, if it's worth it for you or, or, you know, when we put a portfolio together, when we ask those series of questions, guys like, hey, I want to hunt elk. You know, whitetails is definitely on the bucket list. And man, if I can ever draw a sheep tag in my lifetime, you know, I would definitely apply. And I just want, you know, the best states for non-residents to apply because I'm on a limited budget and I can't spend $2,000 a year on my tags portfolio, but I can spend 750, right? So then, and I have other guys that are like, hey, if there's a non-resident sheep tag, if there's a great non-resident elk tag, put me in for everything. I want to be pointed up all over the Western United States and I want to put in for it all. So, you know, um, <clears throat> but to, to answer your question, uh, we do charge per state, per species, and the, the price that we charge a client is based on the difficulty of the application and the amount of money we have to float on that client's behalf. Yeah. So if if somebody if somebody applies in uh, any given state. And they don't get the they don't get drawn, but they get a point. Um, do they get money back, uh, or is the whole money for that application gone? Um, the reason I ask is because you know I know a lot of guys who put in for all of these states, and then they don't get drawn. I mean, are they thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars out, or does it then become just a preference point fee or price or something like that? So, you know, these states have a non-refundable state application fee. And so whether you're doing the application or I'm doing the application, you're going to pay that. Uh, and the um, you also typically in most states now, you have to buy their non-resident hunting license. That's non-refundable whether you draw or not. Uh, and then if you use a service like ours, we do charge a fee. So it is money out, right? Absolutely. However, um, you do build points if you don't draw. So you can kind of look at the money that they're keeping from you. And it's, you know, it's minimal. The state fees are, are minimal. The licenses can get a little bit of, a little bit of expensive, um, you know, $150, $200 for a license per state. Um, but the way you can think about it, it's an investment in your future. And when you don't draw, you're getting a point typically, right? So, you know, in most states, you can draw with zero points, right? And, um, but a guy that has 10 years in, has 10 raffle tickets in the hat, he has a better chance than you having your one raffle ticket in the hat, right? But it can happen, right? So that's exciting. So you get in three or four states. I only have one point. Hey, I call a guy, hey, you drew. What do you mean I drew? I only had one point. It's like, dude, they reached in there and they pulled your name out, you know? Like, you know, like when you're at a raffle and some guy next to you buys $1,000 worth of tickets and you buy two tickets and you win, like it can happen, right? It's just yeah. that the probability of you drawing gets better and better, you know, the more chances that you have in the hat. And, um, and again, if you don't draw, you know, you do, you do build another point. So that's points are kind of the name of the game out West now, right? Building those. So points what do you say? And, go ahead. What do you say to the guy who it becomes difficult to swallow to say, okay, I'm spending 9250 or whatever you said on a Kansas license. I don't get drawn. Now I have $92 in a license that I can't even use because I didn't get drawn. Well, my say, answer to yeah. that is come pheasant right. hunting or come, you know, Absolutely. shoot a turkey, turkey or, or whatever. Um, you can use that license for other things. You just didn't get drawn for the deer tag. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Guys, if you run any kind of supplement for your deer, which you absolutely should, there are things that deer need. And I have found that when I run supplements for my deer, um, it keeps them on my property so they don't go wandering off onto other properties looking for that thing that they're needing. And so I have just dove fully into running minerals and protein for my deer all year long. Buck Bourbon does supplements and attractants really, really well. Whether you're looking for a long-range attractant like the 110 proof um, or whether you're looking for a feed that you can run all year long in a feeder or um, even just on the ground in their barrel proof, Buck Bourbon has what you need. I can tell you story after story of going on to a new 500-acre piece, dumping out some long-range attractant and deer just coming into it. Guys, it will make a difference in the way that you see your deer come in. So, guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. You can use code HUNTING101 in all caps to get 15% off. But I would just encourage you, no matter what, to start running some sort of supplement for your deer. It'll have a happier, healthy herd. You'll keep them on your property more, and you can better manage those deer. Guys, go check out Buck Bourbon. Now, what do you also say? Is there any kind of – do you ever say, okay, that's enough, like as far as, as putting in? Because I've I've personally talked to guys, um, and they're like, "Well, dude, I you know for four years I didn't have any tags, and now this year I have twelve tags, and I don't know what to do. I I literally cannot hunt in every single one of them because these I just happen to get drawn on the same year for every place." Yeah, so that there's two aspects to that question. When's enough, right? Um, in the state of Kansas. When I take somebody's like tags portfolio over, like they're like, you know what, I can't keep up with this this applying anymore, and I, I just want to give it to a professional, and I'm done. Here's what I have. And I see they have four points in the state of Kansas or seven points in the state of Iowa. That's enough. You don't you only need one point in the state of Kansas, and you only need probably four to you know, four points in the state of Iowa. So that's one instance where I say that's enough. Like, hey, stop applying when you're ready to go. That's when we're going to put in, and you are going to draw the tag. Um, to your question about, I'm afraid I'm going to draw two or three tags in a year. I can mitigate that, right? So um, when it's preference points, I know when you're going to draw, like in Colorado, Kansas, Iowa, like it's predictive. Like you have five points, you are going to draw, you know, a unit 20, you know, elk tag, like. I know you're going to draw, or I, I'm 99% sure you're going to draw, right? When it's predictive like that, we can go to point only then. Like, I don't want to draw that one this year. Okay, well, let's just get another point point just to keep up with the point creep. You're not going to draw, but I am going to get you another point. Is that okay? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. The other thing, now when we're talking about like limited entry tags, though, like bonus points or no points, like really tough tags to draw, let's take an Arizona elk tag, right? The holy grail of elk hunting is probably in Arizona, Okay. Let's say that the odds of drawing that tag are one chance in 10. Well, your odds are one in 10, which they're far worse. But let's just say it's one in 10, okay? Now you add a New Mexico application to that at one in 10, okay? Your odds of drawing both of those tags, one in 10, 10 times 10 is 100, are one in 100 or 1% chance, right? Now, does it happen? Yes, 1% of the time it happens, okay? And when it does happen, I can... Often states allow you to return a tag and say, hey, I can't use this tag this year. I'd like to, you know, turn this back to the state and and get my point reinstated. Not all states have that in place, but enough of them have it in place where I can help a client through that, that rarity. And I do want to point out again how rare that is to draw two premium limited entry tags in one year. It's extremely rare. Yeah. I've just uh, I've heard of guys doing it, and they're like, "Well, man, that that kind of sucks." I mean, I had a good friend, and I'm not going to name any names because he's kind of well known in the industry. But um, he said, "Like, dude, I don't I don't know what to do. Like, I've got three elk tags, and I won't be able to use them all." And I'm like, "Well, dude, I'm not going to feel sorry for you." Like, (laughs) yeah, it's a good problem uh, to have, right? Yeah. So tackle this with me here, and I I have my answer, and I have my rebuttal uh, to all the keyboard warriors out there. Um, But when somebody says all these big name hunters get to shoot all this cool stuff because they get all the tags, um, is there any truth behind states saying, okay, I want Chuck Adams to hunt in our state, so we're going to give him a tag, even though 
It's ridiculous. Even though these people have more preference points, we want Chuck Adams. No, it's, I've been doing this for 20, 20 years. And I can tell you, there's nothing going on inside those States that where that's going on. Um, You know, here's, here, here's why those, I, I handle a lot of big name guys in the industry, right? We started this for Cabela's in 2003 and just with Cabela's name plastered on my back, I had a lot of big name guys that are still with me today, 20 years later, applying for these tags. Okay. Um, and when you see that, when you see big name guys with these awesome trophies and drawing all these tags, these guys have tags portfolios that are three pages deep, that are double digit points all Bingo. over the place. And they are complete students of it. Not students, but they are completely um, persistent. They do not miss a year. When I send them their tags bill and say, hey, so-and-so, it's time to re-up for 2023 because the application season is upon us and all these deadlines are just about to hit, they're the first phone call that comes in this office. Eric, thank you for sending me the reminder. Here's my money. Let's do it again. And they're just religious about it, you know? And they apply year after year after year, and they never miss, and they get their points going, and they've been doing it for a long time. And that's why guys like Waddell and Blanton and, you know, Shockey, that's why they're drawing these tags because, again, they're they're just – they're they're extremely professional about it. You know, it's their livelihood, and they make it a priority. And I also – you know, you hear some of these guys, and they're like, dude, my dad was buying me points when I was – in diapers. Yeah. Like, you know, I've had, I've had points for 60 years and then you've got some kid, you know, who's bought two points and, and these, you know, in New Mexico, they've bought two points. And then they think that I am somehow getting strings pulled because I'm a, a, have a TV show when in all reality, I've been buying points since before they were born. And, uh, and, and so that's absolutely 100% the case. And, you know, I just tell I tell people all the time, I'm like, I mean, you can get tags and you can hunt some incredible places. It takes it takes like you said, it takes devotion. It takes being devoted to getting those things done. Um, you know, it takes allocating money to the right places. Um, my biggest pet peeve is when somebody says, well, it must be nice to go on an elk hunt. And I'm like, dude, you're holding a seven dollar Starbucks cup in your hand like mm-hmm. And you probably don't do that once, a, you know, once every month. You probably do that once a day. Um, or if, don't ever tell me, man, I wish I could hunt elk, but you're smoking cigarettes. Like, because if you take that money, boom, you got an elk tag in a year. Like, so it can it can happen. Uh, only problem is a lot of people don't want to put in the work. They buy two points and they're like, well, I'm not, not ever going to get drawn. And here I am pumping money into these things. Well, you will. But these people have been doing it for decades, and they continue to do it, and they continue to use professionals to help them do it rather than just, you know, throwing yeah. points out. And, you know, I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. People are intimidated by it, I think, is part of it, and and for a good reason. I mean, the states don't make it easy. Um, the best advice I can give a guy is call a professional. It doesn't have to be me. There's lots of good services out there. Um and talk to them and just tell them, you know, tell them what you're up to. But once you dial in on a portfolio with that, with that licensing service, be persistent about it. Devotion is a great word that you, that you use be devoted to it because if you are devoted, good tags are going to come your way. It's, it's just a matter of time. And the other thing I wanted to touch on really quickly, because you mentioned kids, right. And applying children, um, you know, our service WTA tags, we do not charge children, from the time they're allowed to apply through their 18th year. So there is no WTA fee, service fee for children. So get your kids applied, you know, get them in the hunter safety. You know, there's great online classes now in the state of North Carolina. You, you, you can take their class online. You don't need a field day. I do recommend a field day, but you don't need it to get their hunter safety card. Um, there's lots of great youth tags out there that you can be applying for. And at a very minimum, most of my clients, which most of my clients are doing, yeah, some of them are trying to draw those awesome youth tags for their kids, but most of them are just trying to build points for them because it's extremely inexpensive to apply for children. And, you know, let's say they start at the age of 10 years old applying. By the time they're 20, 
you know, they have 10 points all over the place in all these Western states. And their hunting future will look very, very different than than parents who aren't taking advantage of that, right? So yeah. um, there's good youth portfolios out there. I can tell you the applying for youth tags and building points for kids is a little bit different than, than applying for adults. And my guys over here can walk you through all that. Um, but, uh, but to your point, you know, got to get those kids building those points because it will have a, a change in their, in their hunting future for sure. And that is something, you know, that is invaluable down the road. Um, Absolutely. You know, for for dads who who buy their kid a lifetime license before they're even able to hunt the very first time, like that makes such a different difference in that kid's future. Um, you know, I I wish you know I grew up in Arkansas, uh, went to college in Oklahoma, uh, now I live in Kansas. Like I wish I would have been taught these things at a young age because I would have never left Arkansas before having bought my lifetime. I would have yeah. never left college in Oklahoma without having bought my lifetime. Sure. Um, you know, I would have made changes and done things differently. And now that I see that, I'm like, man, if I ever move from Kansas, not only will will my wife have her lifetime, but every single one of my kids will have their lifetime because, you know, then when they're 40 years old and live in Arizona or, or New Mexico or you name it, they're going to be like, well, hey, I can always go back and hunt in Kansas. Yeah. So I've got my yeah, lifetime absolutely. there. And it will literally change their, I mean, change their entire hunting culture because at a young age, their dad was investing into their future as a hunter, whether that be points or lifetime licenses or fishing license or, I mean, you name it. Um, but, whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're beginning to change that kid's history with hunting for the rest of their lives. And, uh, you know, I, I promise you it's something that you'll never regret. Like, I'm never going to look back and think, had I have bought my Arkansas lifetime, I'm never going to look back and say, man, why do I even have this? Like, this is stupid. But yeah. now that I don't have it and I have to, you know, my folks still live in Arkansas. So every year when I go back to Arkansas, I got to buy my out of state, sure. which sucks when you live there for 24 years mm-hmm. and you could have bought it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, man, why didn't I buy that when I had the chance? Why right, didn't my right. parents buy that for me when they had the chance? Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's invaluable to start building that portfolio for your kids when they don't even know they need it, when they don't even know they want it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and to the dad who says, "Well, what if my kid never hunts?" But what if he does? Like, what if he right. what if he goes all in and he's you know fully invested in it, and then he's gonna wish, you know, my son Tucker. I promise you, if we move to Oklahoma or Arkansas or New Mexico or wherever. And then in 20 years, he's fully bought into hunting, and that's all he wants to do. He's going to look back at me and say, why in the crap didn't you buy my Kansas license before we left? And I'm going to have to answer him. You know, I mean, so uh, I think it's important for dads, for grandpas, for mentors, start investing into the kids' hunting future before they even know they need you to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you'd mentioned, well, what if my kid doesn't hunt? Well, number one, you can kind of tell, right? And, and number two, like, it's not that expensive. Like, you're not, you know, like you had asked me earlier in the podcast about, you know, how much does it cost and do you have to buy a license? So in the state of Arizona to apply for a tag, right? So let's take Arizona, for example. Okay, the biggest elk in the country, you know, on the Arizona Strip and the late Kaibab hunts, you know, the biggest mule deer probably and arguably in the country. It's got a very high number of desert bighorn sheep tags for non-residents and humongous animal, right? So for an adult to pl- to apply, they have to buy that license every year for $160, right? That adds up, right? Year after year, 160, 160. For a child, that license is only $5, the youth license, right? Plus we're not charging anything. So the point I'm trying to make is that it's really not that expensive to at least get your son or daughter going in a couple different states that have points, build them up. The other thing we should probably touch on with the kids, you know, once your child turns 18, things are going to change. They're going to enter the world of tough odds of, of what you and I are dealing with in the draw, right? Yeah. Because now they're an adult. The state of New Mexico has youth-only tags that are the premium limited entry tags in the state, meaning they give kids a high-powered rifle, during the middle of the rut in the best units for elk, meaning 
you can hunt mule deer on the best unit in the state during the middle of the rut, right? Um, there's youth sheep tags there. Or for an adult to draw these tags, we, we had a client last year, his son drew, you know, for an adult to draw a Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep tag on Wheeler Peak is very, very difficult, right? For kids, it's, it's much, much easier. Not that it's easy, but it's easier. So the point I'm trying to make is if you're like, boy, I'd really like to take my son or daughter on an elk hunt this year, you know, and he's only 13. Let's get him into that New Mexico youth draw because... For you and I to draw the tag on that unit, the odds are one in 30. For your son yeah. to draw or daughter to draw, the odds are one in five. Now, once they hit 18, that goes away. You're never going to get that chance again. And if they do draw it, you know, they're, it, you're going to capture their attention. They're going to love it because they're on the best units during the best season with a high power, you know. And it's exactly what kids need to keep their attention and, and, and to kind of, you know, have the glue to, 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 be like, Dad, that was great. I would love to do that again. And to and to get it into their blood early, you know, so that they do become outdoorsmen later in life. Because that's naturally what we need. Uh, that's what we're working for is to to keep it going, right? To keep to keep yeah. the next generation alive and and have kids. You know, these kids today with the iPods and the and the and the and the video games, it's tough. I mean, we're competing with 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 a lot and I think it's super important. I think it's one of the most important things that, that we have to deal with is youth recruitment. And that's a great way to do it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Great yeah. Absolutely. You don't take your kid out and grind it out and doesn't see anything and, you know, freezing to death. And that's not how you handle a kid with hunting. You know, you don't burn them out. You don't grind them out. You get them into these good areas and you pick your battles, you pick your spots because, you pick at it, you pick at it, and when you pick at it, you make sure it's right because they are busy and they are, you know, hyper-engaged in sports and they have video games and they have friends and they get girlfriends and boyfriends and, you know, you're competing against a lot there. So, you know, pick you know, pick your, pick your opportunities. Antelope hunting is great for kids, right? You know, they see a ton of game usually if they're, in the, you know, typically they're going to see a lot. Uh, you're not going to exhaust them. Um it's big game, you know, and it's exciting, you know, elk hunting, that's probably the next step, you know, up, but, but there's, there's ways to do it. Um, you know, there's definitely ways to do it right. And, uh, you know, playing the application game can certainly, uh, can certainly help their future, uh, and, and their present. Now for somebody who is listening to this and they're like, okay, tell me the best place to go. Like, I just want to hunt something new. I want to hunt out of state. I want to try something different. What are some of the best opportunities to do that? Um, you know, as far as, um, you know, I, I take Oklahoma, for example. If you just want to go and hunt whitetails in a different state, you want to experience something new. Oklahoma's over the counter. You can drive right in and buy your tag. And there's tons and tons and tons of public ground. Um, so you can hunt. A lot of public ground, um, and it's an over-the-counter tag. But what would you say if somebody wants to try something new and they want to go out of state, um, you know, this year? Like that, we're not talking applying for future years. Uh, we're, we're talking, hey, I want to try something new. Um, what would you? How? Where would you point that person? So the first thing that comes to mind when you say something new would be the exotics in New Mexico, right? Unlike any other state except for maybe Texas, New Mexico has free-ranging oryx, which would be an mm -hmm. African gemsbuck. They have those on the White Sands Missile Range. That's a draw tag. Uh, On-range on or off-range, you need to apply for those tags. And they also have Bezor ibex down in the Florida Mountains. Okay, those can only be hunted, I believe, in Turkey and free range in the state of New Mexico, believe it or not. They have a draw there. They have Barbary sheep, which is also known as an Audad. Those are some, you know, they call them New Mexico exotic species. Those are fun tags to apply for. Um, you know, when I'm talking to guys, I would say most guys have hunted whitetails. Most guys have hunted turkeys. The number one call coming into this office, particularly from people east of the Mississippi River, uh, elk. is for elk hunting. They want to go elk hunting. These people want to chase, and I get it. I mean, it's exciting, right? 
particularly in, in uh, particularly archery hunting elk when they're in, in the bugle. Um, that, that's really exciting for guys and they do it once and they get hooked. Even if they don't get anything, they don't care. They were like, I had a great time. That was, you know, turkey hunting is exciting, but elk hunting is unbelievable, right? Um, something about, you know, an animal that calls and that you can call to and, and, and they answer and you're playing cat and mouse with them and chasing them down and, um, chasing them through the Rocky mountains, right? Elk hunting is a big one. Um, uh, I would say guys maybe with that have been at it a little bit longer. It seems like big mule deers on their bucket list more than more than anything. Yeah, that's one of the more difficult things I have uh, to try to help a client with is getting him on a big mule deer. Big elk are all over the place, right? Almost every state's got them, right? Where big mule deer, I would say the game management units are lesser and lesser. Um, but yeah, I think those are, you know, some, some standouts, some of those exotics in New Mexico and, you know, um, guys that haven't been out West before something new, it's always elk. They want to go elk hunting. And again, I get it. It is fun. What's the, what's the hardest species to get a tag for? So, you know, when we talk about West, when we talk about North American big game, okay, in this office, we kind of break it down to these two categories, elk, deer, and antelope, okay? Those tags are are, are drawable. Like, those are tags you're going to draw in your lifetime. And by deer, and you mean, cat- by deer, you mean whitetail, cows, deer, 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 Yeah. All of deer, you. antelope. And the second category, moose, sheep, goat, right? So, shirus moose, extremely difficult to draw. Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, tough odds. Desert bighorn sheep. Tough odds and Rocky Mountain goat, mountain goats, um, a big white billy, right? Those those three species there, moose, sheep, goat, those typically take more time. Those are tags you may never draw in your lifetime. However, um, what's the alternative, right? I mean, to go sheep hunting is so expensive, right? To go shoot, a, to go hunt a Rocky Mountain, I won't say harvest. I'll say to go hunt a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. And the, most guys go to the province of Alberta, guys that just want to go. I mean, those guys are dropping 50, 60, 70 grand to do that, you know? Yeah. So for most people, you have to apply, right? Because if you can draw a tag in Montana or you can draw a tag in Colorado or Idaho, you can go Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep hunting with your buddies, right? You don't have to hire an outfitter. And if you want an outfitter, it's only going to be, you know, seven, 8,000 max. So, the price comes way, way down, right? If you again, you got to draw the tag, but if you can get drawn, you are going to save a ton of money, right? Desert bighorn sheep, right? Where are you going to go? You're going to go to Mexico on a guaranteed tag, right? Minimum you're going to spend on that hunt is forty five, fifty thousand dollars, right? Again, out of touch for most people, right? But if you can draw a tag in Arizona, or if you can draw a tag in Nevada, you can go DIY, or you can hire an outfitter for seven grand, right? So, um, but the moose sheep and the goat tags are the most difficult to draw. Definitely. So when you go to these Western hunt expos and, and, um, Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett, and they're auctioning off a Shirus moose and, and somebody sitting there like, but I've never applied for any points. Like I, how can I bid on this hunt with this outfitter? Because I, I don't have any points in that area. How does that? So there's, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So there's a few instances where outfitters can get guaranteed tags for Shirus moose. Okay, it's but the, the hunts are extremely expensive because what I just explained is such a limited scenario. Yeah. An outfitter that gets a Shirus moose tag um, sells that hunt for a lot of money. A lot of money. Right. It's, 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 I think I sold one last year for 25 grand. I called my client, been with me a long time. He's going after the North American 29 and he needs a Shirus. This, this is a fun story. So this client's like, man, I, I can't, I'm done putting in. Like, I got it. I got to just get this done. Like, I'm just going to pay for it. You know, here's 25,000. I want to go. I sent him to an awesome place, right? Shot a great big one with his bow, had a great hunt. I'll be danged if that client, didn't also draw that year in Montana. He booked the hunt, oh you know, for a gosh. ton of money. The draw in Montana comes out like 
a month and a half, two months later, I call him up and I'm like, Greg, you're not going to believe this. You drew a Shiris Mustang in Montana. And he's like, perfect. I'll do them both. Which, you know, most guys would be like, I want my money back wow. on this hunt because I'm going to go on the draw hunt. And say, but this guy was just, you know, he handled it well. And, you know, he's in that type of a situation where he was able to do that. And so he went to Colorado and shot a great big one with his bow. And then he went to Montana and shot one with a bow. So, you know, one was a guaranteed tag that he spent a ton of money for. And the other one was a, a draw tag that, you know, he spent a lot less for. But, you know, it's just that figures, right there right? is what we call a different tax bracket, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we call a different tax yeah, bracket. Sur- yeah, this guy's a surgeon. He, he worked um, out in school. So, yeah. Now, I have no interest in shooting the 29. I'm just going to be honest. I don't. Um, mm-hmm. Because the way I look at it, I'm like, man, uh, cows, deer, no thanks. I'll just hunt more mule deer. Like, or more whitetails or more, you know, I'm going to hunt more of what I like rather than trying to get all 29 just to say I did it. Um, mm-hmm. However, there's been a lot of, com- a, a lot of talk, a lot of um, debate whether killing the 29 is even possible in a lifetime anymore. Um, to that, I say it absolutely is. Um, you, you absolutely can do it still. Uh, you know, I've got a good friend, Frank Noska. I don't know if you know Frank at all. Sure. Um, but Frank is just, Frank is just a couple animals away from doing it for his third time. Um, so it, it absolutely is possible. Um, and then you've got guys, you know, you take Alan Boland, for example, he's trying to shoot all 29 that will make, you know, B and C, um, insane to think about. It is possible. So if that is somebody's goal, which again, it is not my goal. I don't want anybody reaching out saying, it's not my goal. I could care less to do that. Um, but if that is somebody's goal, what do you say to that person? What what advice do you give that person? So a couple things. I you know I do have several clients that are either going after it or have have completed it. Um, I know you can't get the uh, Quebec Lab Caribou anymore. Hopefully yep. that'll open up again someday. Um, that's a really unfortunate situation. Um, me personally, if I had the means to do it, because of my job, I think I have maybe 16 or 17 of the 29. I could probably, I could probably do it. Um, you know, different things kind of take precedent in your life at different times. I'm 50 now. I feel like I can get back on it. I think it's the greatest adventure in the world, right? I, I love going to new places and hunting new species and being with new guides and I just love it. Um, but, you know, to your, I also have clients that only want to hunt big mule deer. I also have clients that only want to hunt big whitetails. So everybody's different, and I get it, you know. Um, what I say to guys like that, they should have a mixture of guys that want to do it. Particularly, I have a lot of young guys that call in that, you know, that have that dream or that aspiration. And um, most people, I would say, it's a lofty goal, right? Um, but it's... That's why it's worth, that's why it's worth pursuing, right? And so most people I tell, uh, that they should have a mixture of, of booking hunts and, and having a tags portfolio, right? Because, um, it's just nice to have both going. Let's say there's, there's many reasons you would want both. I mean, naturally to do the North American 28 or 29 or whatever it is, you know, it takes, it's going to take a lot of money, right? So yeah, you might say to yourself, you know what? I'm a money guy and I don't need to mess with this draw and I'll just book all these hunts and get it done, right? More power to you. God bless you. Even guys like that, though, should probably still be applying because you might go hunt Rocky Mountain sheep in Alberta and not get one. And then the next year you draw and then you can supplement it with some draw tags. Right. As well. Or you might get one and it scores you know, you're not happy with the quality of it, right? Even though any Rocky Mountain bighorn out of Alberta is a trophy. Yeah. You might be like, God, yeah. I'd really like to upgrade my, you know, my bighorn, you know? The only way you're really going to do that is to draw a tag in Montana or Colorado or Idaho. I mean, you can keep going back to Alberta and spending a fortune and 50% success and the RAM average is 155 inches and, you know, and so it's nice to have points in the Western states. So I guess, the, you know, the short of it is to, to summarize they should they should be putting in for tags all over the place, and they should be booking hunts you know when they can when they can get them, and they should be going to great 
well-vetted outfitters because you don't want to have to repeat a hunt. And you need to be doing everything you can to mitigate that, to make sure that doesn't happen, and to use a booking agency and guys that have been doing it for a long time and that are going to back you is a good way to go, in my opinion. Well, I think there are goals that are, um, you know, different in nature but still give you something to work towards. Uh, You know, you take Jack Frost, for example. Obviously, he's killed all 29. Um, But his new goal, and I say new, I mean Jack's 75, and he's still got goals. Um, And and his new goal is to say, I've shot an animal in all 59 states. That's a really cool goal. Like, that is – is really cool. And, and and I'm I'm much like yourself, man. To me, what's most important, seeing new places, seeing different species, experiencing different things. Uh so whereas some guys drop sixty K on a on a stone um or a, a Rocky Mountain bighorn, I'm like, dude, I'll just go hunt in New Mexico or or, or Texas and shoot an all dad. Um and still, you know, experience a sheep hunt. Now I I know it's completely different. I'm not nobody start hating on me there i know it's completely different um but i'm still getting to experience you know sheep and sheep country and and uh and and with different guys in different areas and different places and so um there are different goals don't just think well i mean that's like the gold standard of what we've always been told as hunters is like the super slam um but there's different goals i mean uh you know all deer, uh, killing all the deer in, in North America or the turkey slam or – I mean there, there's some different goals that, that you can put and, and, and work towards and, and, and strive to accomplish and not have to you know, drop $165,000 a year on trying to do the super slam. Yeah. You know, the guy that owns my company, Mark Peterson. Um, yeah, he's done I the work, deer slam, right? For, yeah, deer slam, waterfowl slam. Uh, yeah. Turkey slams. I mean, he 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 makes up his own slams. I mean, it's just because he yeah. he's, he's different. You know, he just does different goals, and he has different goals. And you know, he's a little more exotic than 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 than. You know, he doesn't really follow any one particular thing. It's kind of what he you know he has his own interests, and he's a great example of that. You know, like it doesn't have to yeah. make your own goals. Like, hey, I'd like to, like you said, hey, I'd like to hunt a deer in every state, or I'd like to hunt something in every state, or. You know, I, I grew up in the East and I want to hunt turkeys in at least six states by the time I'm 30, you know, or, you know, and, 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 and yeah, and, 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 and everybody's different. And that's what makes it fun, right? It's like, you make, you know, a lot of times you can make your own goals and, and, and when you accomplish them, you, you feel good. And, and what have you done in accomplishing that goal? You've, you've seen different country, you've seen different. Yeah. You've uh, learned a ton. You, you've learned a ton. I mean, just it's it's so great. It makes you a better outdoorsman. It makes you a better sportsman. And it helps you pass it on to your kids, and that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Eric, yeah. where can they go to find more information about Worldwide Trophy Adventures, about WTA tags, um, about everything you guys do and offer? You know, the easiest way, and I appreciate your time today, Dylan. Um, oh, it's been a blast. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good conversation, and I appreciate what you're doing out there for everybody. And um, you're, you're you're involved with some great organizations, and you're doing an awesome job. And easiest way to get a hold of us, you know, and, and right now is when you want to get a hold of us because all of these states have their application deadlines coming rolling. up. And you know, March and April coming up. March and April are the biggest months of the year for state application deadlines. Our phone number is easy to remember. It's one eight hundred. 755 tags 1-800-755 tags just you know the best thing to do is just give us a call and say hey i want to talk to a tags consultant like i said the guys one of my guys is going to ask you a series of questions and then he's gonna he's gonna put together a mock portfolio for you and before your credit card is charged a nickel you guys are going to go through it line by line and he's going to explain the method to his madness. And you're going to say, get rid of that, add this. I like that. And you guys are going yeah. to both agree upon what makes sense for your goals. Cause like you said, everybody's goals are different and then you roll out. Right. But you got to do it now. I can't impress that. Don't miss another year. Like the points are, yeah. are critical and the sooner you get started, the better. And, um, yeah, I just appreciate your time today and helping me get the word out. And, um, and thank you. Guys, I'm an arrow junkie. I love arrows. 
and I have found a fondness for deer crossing archery. Everybody makes a good arrow. I'm not saying that anybody out there makes a bad arrow, but what really sets deer crossing archery apart is when I call them, I'm going to get a, the owner on the phone. I'm going to get the guy that's building my arrows on the phone and they're going to walk me through a complete custom build. They're not shipping me a box of arrows that they ship out to everybody. I'm going to pick my knot colors, my fletching colors, my wrap colors, the fletching configuration I want on the arrows. Not only that, I'm going to walk him through my setup. I'm going to walk him through what I'm looking to get out of this setup. I'm going to tell him total arrow length I want to be hitting, total arrow weight I want to be hitting, total uh, insert, outsert weight I want to be hitting, FOC. And he's going to custom build a set of arrows and send them to me. My arrows aren't going to be best for you. Your arrows aren't going to be best for me. We need custom arrows. Deer Crossing Archery builds those arrows custom for you, and they always perform. Their silencer shaft is my favorite arrow on planet Earth. I've shot 40-plus animals with that arrow. It always performs. It always blows through the animal. I always get great penetration. It's a micro-diameter shaft. They do have a full line of shafts. Uh, the new Rupture Arrow is a phenomenal arrow. I shot a deer with it this year in Missouri. I love their arrows. Guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Deer Crossing Archery because you don't have to go to a box store and buy a set of arrows that are just made from the factory. You can get arrows custom made for you that are going to work best for you and your setup. Guys, use code HUNTING101 to get a discount at Deer Crossing Archery. I would highly encourage you to check them out. They are phenomenal. Wherever you're at in your hunting career, whether you're just starting or whether you're 25 years in, I would just encourage you to start becoming more and more devoted to tags um, because you'll thank yourself in the future. You might think, I'm brand new to this. I've only shot a doe. That's okay. You'll thank yourself in the future when you have preference points in all these states. Start devoting yourself to your children's tags because they will thank you in the future. Uh, it's never going to be something where they're mad they have the points, but it can definitely be something where they're mad they don't. Um, so, Start being more devoted to tags, to points, uh, to putting in these different states. But guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will take some of this to heart and start becoming a little more devoted to tags. Amen.